0: We're in downtown Beirut on the sixth day of ongoing protests throughout Beirut and Lebanon. And we're adjacent to Martyrs Square today in downtown, overlooking the protests. And I'm joined by Makram Rabah, an AUB professor, political scientist, regular news contributor for Al Arabiya. And I hope you enjoy Makram's perspective and his optimism about where these protests are taking Lebanon. And this conversation was recorded just towards sunset and the protests were growing and growing while we were recording. And there's a sense that these protests are not dying down anytime soon. A list of reforms was provided by the prime minister. Uh, There are meetings underway. There are last ditch attempts at reform, but it doesn't, doesn't seem to be diminishing the momentum of the demonstrations. Uh, We get into all this and we get into the likelihood of these protests upending the Lebanese system of power sharing that we inherited long ago. And Makram offers his personal views on the likelihood of these protests bringing about real change and how these protests are different from March 14 and how Hezbollah fits into all that we're talking about. And we also reflect on his mentor, and a professor I admire deeply, Kamal Salibi, a historian who worked at AUB and wrote A House of Many Mansions. And just after this recording ended, I went straight to Martyr's Square and joined the hundreds of thousands of people demanding a better future for Lebanon. Once again, I apologize for the quick edits. I'm trying to release these episodes as quickly as possible. I'm Rani Shatah, and this is the Beirut Banyan.
1: I'm a professor of history at the, at the UB history department. I'm also uh, a media and communications advisor at Saatchi and Saatchi, at
0: MNC Saatchi and quantum communications. So we're looking at the ongoing demonstrations happening literally just down the street. Yep. We're above Fouad, Sheb Bridge. Right next to the ring, which is called the ring. The ring, and we can see it live happening. What I like personally is looking at the egg. The old city center cinema with protesters This is inside. called the teatro te- teatrum cinema, I guess. Yeah, and there you have protesters that took over the building, they're on top, and of course we're watching history happen in the making. Uh, I want to say first that I, I really appreciate your time, Makram, because this was really done within hours. We agreed to meet and, and discuss. Thank you for
1: having me. Always
0: a pleasure, man. It's, it's my honor. And uh, I know that both of us have seen protests come and go in Lebanese history. I just want to start off by asking, in your gut feeling, your instincts, does this one feel different? Because we're not immune to demonstrations in Lebanon. Yes, this is not a
1: demonstration. This is an uprising, and it's a real uprising in a number of ways. First of all, we are looking at now downtown Beirut, but also look at Tripoli, look yeah. at the Bika, yeah. look at Deep, look at everywhere, look at the diaspora, Washington, Sydney, yeah. London, This is no longer an issue that demanding electricity, nor demanding even the exodus of the Syrian regime. Mm. This is different from Hariri. the 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 calamity of the Hariri assassination and other calamities were different. This is an urgent wake-up call, and this is is a wake-up call which started with the people themselves. They woke up and they realized that this system of corruption is no longer a system. So they might want change, and this change might not be a modern state that looks like Norway or Sweden, but they don't want this system anymore. This system is no longer, this clientelist system is no longer capable of providing for them. And, when and you, thus, yeah. we have people from across Lebanon who
0: are saying one thing and one thing only, this system has to go. And when you say system, are you actually referring to the old ways of Power sharing or are you referring to the post war I'm talking about a system that was put in place in nineteen forty three. So you're talking about about the about the the
1: national pact and it's evolving into what we call the Taif Agreement. Yeah. However, all the Taif Agreement and the National Pact, they all assume that Lebanon stays neutral when it comes to regional issues. Right. The polarization of the of Lebanese politics starting two thousand and five and what happened recently with the abandonment of the Gulf countries, primarily Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates, and even the West to Lebanon, which which is considered a willing and cooperative hostage with Hezbollah Mm -hmm. and Iran, has left Lebanon exposed. So this so-called financial safety net and the change in the economics of the region, in the sense that we used to get money from reminiscences from the diaspora, now we are sending money. Yeah. And this doesn't only have to do with the political situation, this
0: is a change in economics. But let me let me unpack this just a bit. We're now talking about, you know, we're combining the last two demonstrations together in a sense, because there's the accountability factor, which happened four years ago with the trash crisis and the You Stink movement, and of course 2005 we have the uprising against Syria's arms, as well as Hezbollah to t- yeah. tangentially. Is this time around, are they simply combining all the frustrations together, or do you think of this as really solely an economic outburst of anger and then the other stuff is not really being addressed right now?
1: Well, I think we would be downplaying this by, by describing it as an economic uh, uprising. Mm-hmm. Certainly, economics does play an important role. But the problem is, in, in its essence, is political. The, 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 the collapse of this political system, one of its side effects was economic crisis. Corruption will always remain Mm. as long as there is a system that does not adapt and doesn't change and doesn't accept the fact that power sharing has to be based on a power sharing formula. The formulas cannot keep on changing without the consent of everyone involved. Certainly what had happened, it was no uh, coincidence that this happened right after the forest fires, when no one was willing and capable of taking any responsibility for the incompetence and the lack of knowledge and cumulative knowledge of the of the state in addressing natural catastrophes and
0: you put the burden there more than the of course what we know with the whatsapp tax you put the burden on the fire whatsapp so tax i think is very trivial yeah.
1: compared to what had happened before when we had uh, the scare of the dollar and the yes. ra- and the flight of the dollar right when you have to go to your own bank and you want to ask for your money, and they tell you no. This is very much similar to what happened with Abu Azizi. Abu Azizi, in Tunis burned himself because he felt that his pride was hurt. People, when you wake up and you are obsessed with obtaining your money, when your hard-earned money and your saving is gone with the wind, this is very, very dangerous. In addition, that this is no longer an issue, of only money, because you know that in, in 1986 or even in without the Six war, there were people capable of leading you mm-hmm. into safety. You yeah. had Rafi'il Hariri, you had Saudi Arabia, you had the international community. Now you
0: know that no one will bail you out. Right. This is why people acted. Now let me just for a moment compare 2005 to this protest. We have similar numbers. Actually, there are more Lebanese, literally in Lebanon, Protesting at the moment, then, March 14. Sure, in of course, nationwide. Nationwide. It's more than, ma- potentially, more than half the Lebanese population is demonstrating throughout the country. We're seeing it in unusual places, too. And you said it before Tripoli and the south, in particular. But the March 14 upswell, there was a leadership there emerging on the street, and we had names emerging quickly and people supporting those leaders. This seems to be leaderless for the time being.
1: And this is actually one of the strengths of this movement, that it is mm. headless yeah. and it's decentralized. Yeah. In 2005, when Hariri was killed at 1255, I was asleep. I was asleep because I was r- busy writing my thesis, which I had to pause for a full year after Hariri was killed. So You're, t- you're taking me back to my AUB uh, years yes, as well. Yes, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I woke up and we were expecting one of the big guys to be killed. Yeah. But we were ready. We were mobilized, and we had financial resources. I don't mean that we actually paid people to go down to the squares, but we were locked and loaded, and we were waiting for the right moment to jump at the opportunity to mobilize the when people. When you say we, you We, as uh, political activists, and at the time mm. I was... the. I was in the UB student council, and I was also an active member of the Progressive Youth Organization, which is the youth affiliate of the Progressive Socialist Party, or what is commonly referred to as Walid Jumblatt's party in Lebanon. So there was a, there was a structure waiting yes. to, to And we progress. had been we have we had been facing the Syrian occupation since basically 2000. Yeah. Now no one mobilized. Actually, the parties are not welcomed in right. any of these squares. If you fi- see or you follow the social media fights, anyone who goes to any square hosting any political party flag is verbally assaulted by the yeah. demonstrators. Yeah. So uh, first of all, we, we don't have to, we have to take into consideration social media of course, and, and smartphones.
0: Yeah. So the fact that this is happening now allows it's, this kind of movement to happen. And again,
1: again, one of the important things, political parties, D- d- don't st- up until now don't understand what's happening There's a t- these people are working like it's basically someone switched systems, all of a sudden they're on a different frequency and I mean everyone is a different frequency unfortunately and we might elaborate on this further later, Hariri when he addressed the people he, ad- it, uh, he did not address the people, Friday, he talked Friday, to yeah. Gibran Basil and to Hassan Nasrullah under the assumption that he was addressing the people the people phased out yesterday when, he did not, when, his, uh, when we figured out that he wasn't going to resign, people did not, I think, they phased out. They did not continue listening to Hariri. Yeah. Simply, this is not an issue of economic reform. It's an issue, it's a, it's a governance problem.
0: So, so, so you, now the, the leadership state, whatever's left of it, this decaying entity, is unable to even see the anger on the streets. They're unable to read it. They're just talking amongst themselves to preserve power at this stage. Did I get that right? Yes, because at one stage we had
1: a kind of collective bargaining deal. We had uh, representatives of these communities or these sects represented by parties. So we had this kind of a national pact. Now it's a citizen pact. If you want for this system to survive, they have to talk to each and every one of these people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They cannot talk to the Druze. they cannot talk to the Sunnis. You yes. have to talk to, p- to people's personal ambitions. As I was telling you, these different uh, the people protesting, they might still like the le- their leaders, but they're not confident that at this stage they can lead them to safety, and this is very important. Uh, We are not talking about a complete detachment from reality in the sense that these people might actually vote for the same people back Mm. to power, but they need a new system.
0: And that's something that goes back to the 40s. So we're talking about going back 70-some years, 76 years in time. Is that something that's really on everyone's mind on the street right now? And upending
1: people. People don't understand the implications of this, or mm. at least for them, this, they don't care. It's like yeah. basically when you go to a restaurant, you don't care how the chef cooks <laughs> the chicken. You want yeah. you want the product, yeah. and you're paying for it. You're paying for it with your uh, with your ambitions. You're paying it with your taxes. Yeah. Ultimately, they want a product. If you cannot do this, we need to look for a different chef. Back in the 1940s, we had visionary people. We had Michel Sheeha, we had Riyad Salah, we had many institutions at play. Now, unfortunately, the, the atmosphere is toxic. Yeah. Nothing can function in this toxic environment. So we need to detox, basically. <laughs> and this is what you're seeing around you as a kind of a Lebanese uh, detox.
0: That's an interesting way of, of putting it. So this is a... This is more than just a temporary revolt. This is a revolution.
1: In a sense. In a a sense. revolution without the implications of violence and whatever, because yeah. people like revolutions. I personally like uprisings.
0: Uprisings are, are better. But let's then tackle a few subjects within this conversation. Let's say tomorrow the prime minister resigns. Is that, in your opinion, the beginning of Change, or is that just cosmetic surgery? And then, no, oh,
1: definitely. Uh, the designation has to come with his intention or declaration that we, as politicians, and as uh, uh, future, fu- or future yeah. movement or the legacy of Rafil Hariri, we pledge to lead a transitional phase. In this transitional phase, we will make sure that we have a transitional government which can uh, overhaul or can uh, revisit the whole system and, and figure something out. Yeah. And there is actually a roadmap in the Constitution. Article 95 of the Ta'if Agreement clearly says that, uh, that uh, the President of the Republic mm-hmm. can, can actually uh, or has the duty of forming a national commission for the secularization of the state. Which never happened. Of which course. never happened, yeah. and no one has been uh, been referencing this for a while. The only yeah. time it is referenced is when everybody wants to mess with the Christians and talk about the majority and the minority and whatever.
0: He hinted at it today as well. Of just course, sort of, yeah, this is and this and is a day.
1: way to scare yeah. the Christians in yeah. a way because they no longer can uh, secure the fifty percent, right. which is uh, very inflated for the numbers.
0: But let's let's just for a moment go there. Let's go on that because I know that's not central to this protest, but yes. it is in the background is can you sustain this kind of movement and at the same time alleviate those concerns? Because let's assume his fear tactics, they are received by a segment of the Christian population. Is there a way to overcome that fear and at the same time address Now, at the about?
1: moment, when you when you take a look at what's happening in the Christian areas, yeah. you, you don't find that they actually care. They simply want a newer system. And mm-hmm. ultimately, mm-hmm. ultimately, I think they understand that uh, if Hezbollah and if Michel Aoun and the Lebanese forces and Hezbollah's weapons, I'm talking here from the psyche of the Christian, they they have Hezbollah, which is basically saying that we are here to protect your minority rights. Mm -hmm. And we have the Lebanese forces, which is a spartan outfit that has always defended the rights of the Christians. Both of these institutions have failed and this is equally true of other uh, parties in Lebanon other sects so the ultimately the only way to protect communities and this sectarian system which uh, which Michel She has spoke about mm-hmm. is basically a new system yeah. that can preserve diversity and gives you gives you citizenship instead of collective identities collective identities are important and again i reference my late mentor Kamal Salibi, we want this house of many mansions. <laughs> but when it comes to public space, yeah. this has to be a shared public space. And this we have to renovate our house and ultimately diversity is not the problem. It's basically who is running the household.
0: Kamal Salibi, who's your mentor, and I was lucky, I actually lived in a music school that turned into a student pension run by his nephew. And that's the only reason I got to meet Kamal Salibi, not at AUB, yeah. in a private setting. And he showed me that birth certificate yeah. where he removed his sect. He spoke highly of the need to secularize the state. And I think that's an opinion that evolved with him. He didn't reach that conclusion early on. So going back to the House of Many Mansions, which is a celebration of our rich past and our mosaic, do you see every mansion now cleaning up its backyard? Because what I see is somebody who's not, who's not as informed, let's say. Just watching with my own eyes, I see the pressure being put on the prime minister and there are some some cosmetic sort of there's something happening for the president and the speaker of parliament but not clearly nowhere near the same level do you expect to see something like the president stepping down do like the uh, speaker of parliament resigning because that to me is so difficult to imagine where you have those entrenched leaders willing to go away
1: One has to always remember, we are living in a post-Taif system, which means the Prime Minister is the crux of the system. So, if he steps down, the system no longer exists.
0: So, again... So, in other words, they don't step down necessarily, but they become irrelevant.
1: They're they're illegitimate. Now, Mm. I think this is how I approach this. Whenever I'm asked about the government, I actually say they have no legitimacy, simply because they have lost the ability to communicate with their power base. Mm -hmm. and certainly who cares about Aoun Aoun has been politically dead
0: but I'm talking more about the symbolism of Aoun the fact that he is the president of the country Aoun
1: does not symbolize anything but the weapons of Hezbollah because at this stage he did not understand that giving access to Hezbollah in this fashion would weaken the Christians we are still waiting for the counter-revolution. It is, it is coming.
0: The counter-revolution meaning what? The
1: counter-revolution mean? meaning the bullying of the people yeah. and trying to force them to go back home e- either by using the Lebanese army, which yeah. the army yesterday in the evening proved that it is not a tool to be used by the politicians. but which rather right here. Right I mean, next. I was the person shooting the footage. I was the oh, first Oh, that was your
0: footage? Oh, of course. So
1: it's literally... I right yeah, it happened to be yeah. coming back here yeah. to this office when I bumped into these people. And I bumped into these hoodlums when they were doing their uh, first sortie. Then, I uh, in like five, six minutes, uh, uh, the army shot them to pieces. And uh, this was actually very
0: invigorating and very—it's important to emphasize on this because we know this rarely happens.
1: Of course, of course, because again, people don't understand. The army is part of the people.
0: Yeah.
1: You have your sister, your daughter, your mother demonstrating, and these people—they uh, have names.
0: You think years from now, when we look back at this moment, do you think you will look at those protests in Tripoli and Nabati and the army stepping in, letting the protesters feel secure? Of course. These will of course, be the most
1: important moments. Tripoli, for example, is a city that has been, always been accused of being backward, yeah. being very conservative but it has proven otherwise. Yeah. At least, again, I'm not saying that religiously they might still have the same, uh, and again, the whole city is conservative when it comes to religion, not only the, the Muslims, the Christians as well. But now, we see people celebrating life. Yeah. We have people refusing to be branded as, a, as as a city belonging to the Dark Ages. This system of rule belongs to the Dark Ages, but the people of Lebanon have proved that they are much, much better than their politicians, yeah. However, this was not the case six months back. Right. I had this I had this feeling, and I actually used to write it, that the problem were not the politicians, but the people that vote these politicians to power. This is an act of redemption. The protests we are seeing, they are asking for redemption.
0: From the votes that they casted in yes, the last election.
1: Yes, yes. These people who go down to the squares. Yeah. And ultimately, when Hassan Nasrullah went on, went on TV a couple of days ago and he threatened everyone, the response to this that people in their homes took their kids, took their infants, and went down to downtown Beirut. If someone's willing to take their kid who's one month old or four, five, six years and go and demonstrate after he hears someone who is part of the Iranian Revolutionary Guard threaten him, this person It's fearless.
0: Why then? Why do we not see protests and die? Actually,
1: they are taking place, and there are people trying to suppress these. We have seen...
0: from Soor, we saw from Nabati, but I don't think I've seen any footage from Dahi. Yet.
1: <coughs> we have people demonstrating, and ultimately, ultimately, uh, they don't want to demonstrate in Dahi, because mm-hmm. they want to come to... Ultimately, Dahi is an extension of, uh, of downtown Beirut, in a way. It's a, it's a suburb of Beirut. So they want to be seen as also not threatening Nasrallah.
0: But that's, that's, that leads to my next question, which is, at the end of the day, isn't that... The ultimate hurdle, when it comes to re-establishing a semblance of a decent state, letting go of arms beyond the state control. And I asked. I know it's a, This is a very. It's a long question. I know that it's been debated endlessly, but because that because Nasrallah himself seems to be shielded from these direct accusations, you see some of it happening in downtown. Sure, but you see people do. They say killom, 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 Everyone, everyone, everyone. But there is. N- at least for me, it doesn't seem like a direct anger towards him and his role in Lebanon.
1: Really, the thing is, I think the majority of people supporting Nasrallah, if they, are, if they ring them up and tell them, get your weapons, we're going to Syria, or we're going to fight in Yemen, they might go. Mm-hmm. But they're not willing to protect and cover Jibran Basil's corruption.
0: Okay, they're, so they're two separate matters. So it's, more to, it's less to do with Nasrullah, it's more to do with that protection. That and ultimately,
1: public. there is a conviction with these people that protecting the arms of Hezbollah yeah. doesn't come through corruption.
0: If right, right, Because when
1: yeah. you take the moral high ground, yeah. like Hezbollah claims, mm. you're saying that we are not corrupt. These people have been implicated in drugs in uh, in tax evasion uh, in, uh, and even in prostitution, in Baalbak last year there was a prostitution ring run by a senior Hezbollah operative. This is very important to keep in mind. This is a cumulative matter. When you assume that everything can be reform can come through through, the, through, through a rifle, yeah. and these people ultimately, and we keep I keep on reminding people, Hezbollah is not a political party. Hezbollah is a militia that masquerades as a political party and ultimately does not care about its, uh, its acceptance rates or their, their uh, what they call them? The
0: well, I mean, even its popularity per se among Lebanese electorate.
1: The, popul- the popularity thing, they don't care about it as long as they have access to their weapons and they, they can operate as a militia, yes. they're fine. Yeah. When you try to go for their guns or try to go to their communications network like 7th of May, yes. they jump at you.
0: But so this then is the other question. March 14 was killed by that group. That group Certainly. was instrumental in terminating the March 14 movement, mostly through fear the, 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 but also through violence But and also the wound, the
1: wounds were self-inflicted. Right. What I, what I, March 14 did politically, they actually decided uh, not to go for the kill when it came to, the political kill when it came to Emil Lahoud. They decided to listen to the patriarch, the Maronite patriarch at the time, which I actually do respect, but I don't agree with him when he said that we need we need not go and neutralize the actual threat, which is the president of the republic at the time, who was a Syrian lackey. All this has led to the petering out of the, the March 14 movement. And because the March 14 movement was... Uh, Started acting like a party,
0: but let me let me just for a moment You're, doesn't that expose the power of the system rather than What happened to March 14 that you had confessions protecting their own and you had the church protecting the president an unpopular President a pro-syrian president in a time of an anti-syrian uprising but that's more to do with the system that Lebanon somehow has managed to keep and it entrenched.
1: Sure, but why do why do we underestimate 2005? We got rid of the Syrians. That's a big deal. Course, some yeah. people say we replaced them with Hezbollah, but ultimately, 2005 was a good training ground to what's happening right now.
0: So that that's the link. It's that it's where we left off, and we couldn't go further because we didn't challenge the system enough. There,
1: there is a learning curve there, yeah, yeah. which you can't see, even if you were a March 8th. Uh, supporter you still mm. learned from the mistakes of March 14 so the, this right, this so-called right. uprising at the moment is particularly interesting by trying to understand that uh, they don't want to be branded as a movement that actually communicates with the with the West and this is very important mm. the stupidity of Donald Trump and what's happening with the brexit and everything. And uh, the the trivialness of Macron, the French president, is good for us now. No one cares about us. Yeah. This is why people are acting. And again, uh, the Gulf no longer cares about Lebanon because the leadership in the Gulf comes from a different generation. They were not educated in Lebanon. Right. They don't have houses in Lebanon. They don't come and party here in Lebanon like their parents used to do. And ultimately, yeah. they are convinced that Hezbollah has hijacked the country from within.
0: But Iran still cares. So that's Iran
1: still cares, but ultimately this is something we've been saying for a while. Yeah. Everywhere that Iran is, we have a failed economic state.
0: Yeah.
1: Iran has no model of soft power. Mm-hmm. It can give, you, can, can give you weapons and it gives you AK-47s and yeah. even um, drones now. But so what? How can this then, be turned into financial gains? This is
0: a hypothetical that the protests do yield to results. You do see the state reform itself over time is that the is that this is that the path necessary to then pursue a bigger issue which is weapons outside of state control
1: I believe that a strong state if you set the DNA for
0: a strong state
1: Hezbollah, mm-hmm. the
0: weapons of Hezbollah cannot survive or something like Hezbollah emerging later I mean because it's not obviously it's not just Hezbollah we're going back to the 40s we're talking about many non-state groups and many foreign interventions but do you think that's the recipe to contain that kind of interference?
1: Ultimately, ultimately I, one thing which we need to keep in mind is that uh, Hezbollah now is very much different from any previous attempts
0: yeah.
1: at taking over the state. Kamal Jumla tried to use the PLO, but Kamal Jumla had a personal agenda and a Lebanese agenda. Hmm. Lebanese forces went all the way to Tel Abib yeah. Tulabib and they were able they struck a Faustian deal but they had their own Lebanese agenda yeah. Hassan Nasrallah according to his own admission is a member and organically connected to the Iranian Revolutionary Guard and this is very important to understand
0: yeah.
1: and the way that they have linked themselves to the Shiite community is particularly interesting it's like they have been able to fuse themselves like Siamese twins, we need to detach these without killing the actual the good yeah. the good part of the twin. And I'm not assuming here. I don't want to take Hezbollah in a military confrontation because ultimately I don't want to use weapons. And, and that's not
0: exactly. There's no guarantee that that would end it, that kind of arrangement anyway.
1: Not only this. This is actually you don't want to stoop to their level.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: We have a moral obligation to tell them we will not. I'm not talking about self-defense. If they decide to go for our houses, this is different. But we have the obligation not to empower them by taking them in a military confrontation. Our confrontation needs to be moral, and this is where ultimately Saad al-Hariri has
0: failed. Now you're talking about the principles that he didn't operate with. Of course, with. of course. Okay, so his, his, do you think of him right now is he the face of this current crisis? Do, he do, is. Do you think of him and his leadership and his name and, the, and his position as the symbol, as the face to this crisis? Is he somebody that should be, in your opinion, removed for those reasons? Of or, course. So he should be
1: removed for a number of
0: reasons. So, so it's not that he should... One
1: be. of them is what you mentioned. Yeah. But he has failed on a number of levels. He has not been able to project any semblance of authority, nor vision, nor even uh, uh, he, his heart might be in the right place. And again, I say this, and I'm not saying this because we're live on, uh, on air, he might have his heart, heart in the right place. But we as citizens do not judge on intention, but rather on action.
0: Do you think of him as able to even, and I'm going further, to, to lead a transitionary technocratic No, he does. He has no. uh,
1: He has no ability. Mm. uh, Nor should we actually put him in this position.
0: So therefore, one thing. One thing which actually I feel
1: very insulting when people say, "How can we put together a transitional government?" We should I go on? No, yeah, it's
0: fine.
1: Yeah, we are Lebanese. We keep on bragging that we're educated. We keep on bragging that we are all across the universe, even maybe on Mars. (laughs) <laughs> and we, we say whenever you go to a consultancy firm, you have Lebanese around and all of this. Mm-hmm. Can't we put together 10 people that are good bureaucrats, who have the vision and the intention uh, to work towards this country? This is very insulting. And again, I'm not saying that these people need to be, be yeah. atheists or be from another planet. Ultimately, there are Druze, Sunni, Shiite, uh, evangelical, whatever people who are yeah. Lebanese, And who can be brought in to lead this transition. I'm not saying that these people or the ruling establishment need to just disappear or like maybe go open restaurants or change careers. It's too late for them. I don't think uh, they are even competent to do this. But ultimately, we have the manpower. And I take your dad, for example. Your dad was someone who made his career abroad. He came back because he saw that there's some, some, he can invest in this country at least morally invest in this country. There's different Muhammad Shatahs around. We have people who are willing to leave their jobs
0: and come here. People who are not corrupt and not part of this toxic environment. But do you see people like that actually assuming power in this country? Given given that it, it is such a big challenge to overhaul this way of power sharing in Lebanon. Do you see this mobile? is the only way out. So h- how can you get then, how can you get that crowd, these 10, 15 technocrats, whose only mission is to fix, reform, and build a sovereign state in Lebanon that functions, that doesn't plunder its poorest, that actually serves its people. How do you get those people in power? And I ask, because we both know that this is civil society, or technocrats, these people, we've seen them. They've emerged. Some of them have been killed. Others have given up and gone. What? What? How do you get those people in power?
1: Ultimately, and this is uh, this might be uh, maybe simplistic. Mm. The ruling establishment needs to ask and beg for
0: them to come to power. So turn the state to civil society and not civil society. Not civil society. Uh, Mixed feelings okay. about okay. civil society.
1: Okay. Competent people who have the vision and the will. And they have not been corrupted by the system. So you're and them? this is why I want to elaborate on civil, mm. society. civil yeah. society. Civil society in 2005 with the garbage crisis. Has 2015. 2015, 2015. 2015, sorry. Yeah. Proved yeah. to us that even the civil society is corrupted by this toxic environment. They, want, they are knockoff versions of the ruling establishment. Most of them. This is why people did not vote for them. First of all, they're divided, they're opportunistic, and again, they just want to assume the traditional Zama rule. And my, my joke is, why would, I, <laughs> why would I exchange a genuine leader who's been around for 300 years with the Taiwanese version, and here is knockoff version, basically? This is something I always ask, and yeah. no one answers. People don't vote for them because they know them. Here, the people who are, uh, and again, civil society has many connotations but are there are there one thing which i need to remi- remind people yeah. we have yeah. people within these political parties who are competent but these people are sidelined so oh within the ruling of course. It, okay okay so but you're, okay, yeah, let, yeah. let's take the example of the yeah. forces okay this kemil musliman fellow the minister of labor yes would yes. you find anyone who's willing to say no for him being in trans- transitional government
0: the fact that we don't see him, which is good, it means that he's been doing his job. Not only he's this, he's out.
1: he's 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 one of the top ten lawyers worldwide. Yeah. This guy is yeah, yeah. has has the bones. So, you, so we have words,
0: within the within the ruling parties. You want them to nominate their of course. best. And
1: if you get someone like the minister, the current minister of finance,
0: yeah,
1: he's a. I don't want to use a, 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 a an ugly word, but this guy doesn't understand the difference between rescheduling. And restructuring. And this is when he used it last, it, it, he caused the financial fiasco. Yeah. Because simply, he has no credentials.
0: But then how do you get a, a party like Amal to then uh, willingly say goodbye to him and put someone of...
1: He can stay an MP, but when you send, when you send uh, someone who... Do, uh, you need someone to the bomb squad. Okay? You don't send someone who has sticky, sticky fingers. You need someone who is good at using his hands. If you can use him elsewhere. I'm not saying that he should go home. Ultimately, if he's voted to power, this is, not, this is me so, who's not so voting for him. just to
0: sure I understand you're right. The current political, <coughs> whatever it is that we have, the coalition that exists right now, that they should... They should the, the leaders in place of power should resign and let competent members within their own parties... Take it's like the, basically when you're 20, yeah. you can stay all night, drink,
1: smoke party if you keep doing this and you're 70 and 80 you will die these but people need to cut yeah. back mm-hmm. and ultimately change their lifestyles and eating habits we cannot keep abusing the system they need to understand that people have access to information at this moment and the way that these people are attacking their MPs mm-hmm. uh, I've been going on TV you're talk- about the protests yes okay, yes okay, yes okay. now at the moment no media outlet is actually interviewing any politicians
0: that's true that is true. Or, or maybe the other way around. Politicians don't want no, to be on the... No, they, no. I think they would go on TV. Yeah, you think and so? And ultimately they will try. Yeah. But they will fail. Some of them have been on Twitter. They've been ridiculed for it.
1: No yeah. one wants to listen to a politician.
0: Yeah. If
1: these people want to
0: save face... Mm-hmm.
1: And to come back and ultimately it's a it's a, like a 12step program <laughs> I like your first ad- of
0: all, I think you have the best anecdotes I've heard about this situation. They need to admit
1: <laughs> that there are recovering alcoholics. they should go hello, my name is Sadl Hariri and I'm an alcoholic. I'm saying a political alcoholic. <laughs> political. they need to admit and then they should ask for help <laughs> yeah. and then get ask for support I don't I haven't I haven't been in rehab, but ultimately I, I watch a lot of movies and we kind we of know what yeah, yeah, yeah the
0: program yeah
1: and this is a group therapy session they this can't is, do it one on one and it has a, to be public across the board
0: yes okay well, so you want this you want the and just to just want, for the yeah, record yeah. I've been I've been mentioning Hariri a lot this, sure. uh, no my, I know you're not I mean, Jumlat
1: yeah. is to blame uh, Jaja is to blame and of course Jabran uh, Basil and his uh, unquenchable uh, appetite for uh, for corruption
0: yeah so it's that do you think is that possible with the climate outside that you... Because
1: the climate outside is such, it is possible. Yeah. But ultimately, I also want to bring back, and this is something I always get into if, uh, an argument with my wife, saying, why do you always link it to Hezbollah? You cannot have a functioning state that doesn't doesn't have full monopoly over
0: power you and know, over I, violence. I have the same issue, and I think, I think both sides are legitimately frustrated because I'm going to guess with your wife that the anger is universal that it's it's more or less a broad that this whole th- the whole crowd stinks and they should all be thrown out no. i maybe it's the same with you i see nuance and i do see degrees of corruption in this country and i do see differences between armed and unarmed groups and i don't know if that's maybe that's my fault maybe i should not see it that way maybe my standards are lower i don't know but i do see that there are there are people in this state that are worse than others. Of course, yeah. Of course, I don't know if that's the is that the argument that you have. Of course, you, yeah.
1: I, I don't see implicating Lebanon and Yemen and in Iraq exactly. and in Syria yeah. Yeah. and making uh, and more importantly uh, not dealing with the refugee problem. This refugee problem could have been an asset to Lebanon. We could have overhauled our infrastructure hmm. by allowing for a clear uh, long term strategic. Uh, response to this refugee crisis. Yeah, Hezbollah refused to allow for this to happen, and also uh, kept on covering or or supporting uh, the populist, uh, racist mm. uh, blabber of Jabrane uh, Basile. Other people are also to blame, but ultimately, uh, Nasrallah's uh, uh, stand-ups they are very damaging to our reputation as and our relationship with the Arab countries. We need the Gulf, and the Gulf, Gulf needs us. Yeah. We have been, uh, our banking system is under sanctions because of Hezbollah. Yeah. And you tell me uh, Trump, who cares about Trump? I, as a Lebanese, refuse for Lebanon to be implicated in these Axis politics. And ultimately, we should refuse the Iranian model. Which one? The Iranian, oh, the Iranian, Iranian model, model, model yes. yeah, yeah. is not something which is beneficial to Lebanon.
0: And when you were a student and you, doing your thesis and you you went to Martyr's Square yeah, yeah. as a younger version of yourself, did you see Lebanon being able to do more at that time than the Syrian army leaving? Did you see that this was going to turn? You into might something?
1: think you might think I'm, uh, uh, I'm. Now I'm saying this because it's in hind- hind- hindsight. No, I was just satisfied with getting yeah. the Syrians out. I grew up in Lebanon under Syrian in Germany. Yes, this is not something to take for granted.
0: Yeah,
1: we got rid of 15 years of Syrian occupation. Yes, and ultimately this is a this is a big deal okay. i'm someone who says ultimately nothing justifies having a dictator around i'm someone who highly appreciates my freedom of expression i would like to live in a place where no one tells me what to do this is the essence of lebanon
0: but i'm talking more about so the accomplishment of getting syria out was a big deal
1: extremely big deal the, unfortunately it had to come at the at the, at the lives and blood of brave people yes. such as your dad, Hariri, and uh, hundreds of people who simply said no.
0: What would you see as the big deal this time around? And Fifteen Being years from now, if you're able to look back at this demonstration?
1: Destroying this system. Just like we, we destroyed the Syrian intelligence system in Lebanon. Yes. You tell me you might be creating a monster? No, no. Nothing justifies this system staying. Yeah. Uh, they say it's either chaos or, or a political vacuum. Hell no. Mm-hmm. Nothing is worse than what we're living here. Psychologically, it's so damaging
0: and to the
1: Lebanese psyche.
0: Do you see, when you're in the protests, whether you're watching them right here or going down the street, do you see a way for the system to fall right now, <coughs> Be- beyond just a, two million people? You might think the- I'm joking, It's yeah. already fell. Ah, so that's Just like our economy has already collapsed. Okay, so that's, that's interesting. So what we're witnessing now is really the beginning of the next phase.
1: Yes, this is what I think actually.
0: I think that's an optimistic... Uh, Not optimistic, yeah.
1: I'm very realistic. But I've been seeing people and I've seeing what they, I, I try to like... eavesdrop and what they, they have a different jargon and mentality and rhetoric. Yeah. Yeah. Even, uh, I've, been, I've been making fun of Gibran uh, Basil and the very famous hey la, hey la, hey la. The good news, we don't get censored yeah, in of course, Arabic so. Of <laughs> course, but again, uh, the revolution has turned Gibran Basil's mother into an icon <laughs> It's fun, people are like my friends in Kurdistan and, and, and Egypt saying Man, the way you demonstrate is it, so fun They talk to me about gay rights, about lesbian rights we here ultimately this is a haven for freedom of expression and should remain as such. Now we have people demonstrating, asking for the, the, the right to give their sons, who are not Lebanese, their nationality. All this is at play. We want a modern state capable of protecting even our stupidity. <laughs> we have the right to be stupid, but you have a safety net called the Lebanese state. Tax evasion only, is a culture here. Yes. People were, were really, really pissed when I wrote an article about Carlos Rosson. says, ah, oh, there is a conspiracy. Listen, my article is not against Carlos Rosson. it's against the Lebanese who consider tax evasion to be something smart. Yeah. If you get away with not paying taxes, you are rewarded
0: as a hero here. It's true.
1: We need to stop this toxic practice.
0: This is, I think, regardless of, I think, there is, there is a multitude of views happening in downtown and throughout the of country. Course. But regardless, it's clear. It's clear that change is on the horizon. That, that is clear. I don't know if it'll go as, as far, because you're, you're in a way describing a, an upending of history in Lebanon. And I think that is very optimistic. I, I don't know why deep down still I don't see that as the culmination of what's happening. And these are the these are the conversations and potential arguments I have with friends and my wife too that I think the financial burden that the average Lebanese is going through has triggered a very deep angry reaction but I somehow have come to believe that the state that we're talking the system that we're talking about is so strong it is, it is deeply entrenched. And it survived times of war, it, it survived occupation, no. It did s- survive, yeah. but it knew when to draw the red
1: lines. Even in the civil war, when people were massacring each other, they had a common decency to keep back channels open. This phenomenon of Hezbollah is unprecedented. This monster, whose name is Yubram Basil is unprecedented in the history of this nation. He does not, you know why, one of the main reasons why the the Hezbollah's power base are not willing to support Basile, not only because of his corruption, because of his hypocrisy. They know when he comes to power, he will change. He will become an enemy of Hezbollah, simply because he has the ability to do so. And he's so condescending, and he's, I don't know uh, what in Arabic we call him, Sa'il, he's, he's no fun. Like, he's, he's like someone you like to beat up when back in school. Remember, we used to bully these kids. Someone you would like to, like, beat up at the, at the morning recess.
0: But then we're the bullies and he's the victim. That's not the case.
1: No, when he was bullied at school, I'm certain. This is why, he, this is his payback. His payback to the Lebanese nation because if he was bullied. He does not understand he has no right to do what he's doing. You know what he, happened, what he did today? He removed the director general of the National News Agency because she was covering the, the yeah. demonstrations. Yeah. We have a problem with freedom of expression. Not only everyone has a grievance and everyone's going down there to to demonstrate something or against something. Ultimately, this system doesn't work. Let them give us a different proposal. They haven't. This is why when Hariri went to the podium, he said about renovating this rundown house, we need to actually add a couple of wings to it or move to a bigger house. Because this power-sharing formula has collapsed. The sparring sharing formula doesn't work with Hezbollah's weapons around.
0: So that is at the end of the day the, of course, end, yeah, of course. That is the ultimate goal.
1: And again, I use this, uh, Cato or Cicero used to say, Sparta must be destroyed. And Sparta here is Hezbollah. I'm not saying we should destroy it physically, but we should contain it.
0: Let's maybe quickly if you, if, uh, because I, I know you from, from, something else. And I'm going to just bring this up because it's a book that I think, although it's it's a different era, sure, and it's a different vocation obviously. Your book Campus at War, uh I mean the early nineteenth the late sixties, early nineteen seventies, the the beginning in a way, of the demonstrations and the uprisings that we're used to now and we're watching. Your mentor Kamal Salibi, a professor then um and I think You have the documentation, and we have some imagination, because AUB is mostly intact. We can see how those protests happened. There's a way, there's a respect, in a sense, for those protests as well, uh, for the different views that took hold, and for the different confessions that not necessarily lined up the way you would expect. You had Muslims supporting the Kata'ib, you had Christians supporting the left, but the reason I'm bringing up this book, and I, I highly recommend it, uh, is because we know what happened five years later, that the country but tore itself But this is because apart. the ruling establishment refused to take these as a warning sign. So, the warning signs were people on the streets protesting, back then protesting course, each other. Of course. Yesterday, we saw a bit of that, a bit of it. It was contained, and the official line is that Hezbollah did not endorse those protests. Oh, come uh, again. What? I yes. was,
1: you know, I told you I was taking the footage. Yes. I saw people leading the demonstration. They were orchestrating the movement of these people. Right. And these people were not Greenpeace activists.
0: No, they're not Greenpeace. <laughs> That's true. But but <laughs> I think, if anything, your anecdotes are the... <laughs> are the, the give me give me some gems. time. I'm uh, I I
1: trying to be PG-13 usually. I'm more, uh, oh, more vocal. Yeah. Next well, time.
0: Next time. But, but, but just one second, one second. The... Do, do you see a potential for what you're witnessing down the street and a, and the reaction to it degenerating 3 3 days well, ago 3 days ago we saw what violence looks like in downtown and image wise it was not something we celebrate it was right so we were and and you know what the response was more people come out in peaceful protests not more violence less violence But because Lebanon is not immune to violence, Lebanon does go through cycles of violence. Do you see this degenerating, rather than turning into something positive that will lead us into the breakdown and the collapse? And not a collapse that you want, the collapse that we're always running away from.
1: Violence, in this case, proves what we're saying. Yeah. If you cannot contain violence politically, and you can't find ways, it's like basically you have a cooking pot, like mm. these pressure cookers, yeah. it has to have a release. This release has to be built in, you cannot actually take a chisel and actually uh, punch, punch into the, the yeah. pressure cooker, it will explode. Right. If actually yeah. violence, if Hezbollah is willing to use violence against its own people and against the Lebanese, this means this whole system, has. we have to burn it ourselves. It's like basically when you get to a point where your city is plagued, it has a like, plague, you have to burn everything. So if we get to a point where violence makes it impossible for us to, to operate, and again, Hezbollah cannot go and mess with the people of Tripoli. They cannot go to Zahli, they cannot go to Mount Lebanon.
0: No, but Bayou, they can bully, they can but bully Bayou, people and, here. And you said it, Dahi is a suburb, it's just down the street.
1: But again, if they actually bully people and they go back home, mm. they will, when you send someone to beat people up, and they go home, they open their fridge and they don't have food, they will say,
0: what the hell am I doing? So, in a sense, the economy, because it's so bad, it is shielding us from the natural degeneration that would lead to civil war.
1: And anyone who tells you these maximum pressure campaigns is not working and tries to convince the American government to change doesn't understand how these sanctions work, how they're bad because they're ultimately hurting the Lebanese. But who said that Hezbollah is not a Lebanese party? His supporters are. But basically, he's he's like... I'll use another anecdote. He's like a franchise and it's a subway chain. He's like the Iranian subway franchise here. People eat this food, but they don't necessarily subscribe to to the doctrine. And ultimately, Hezbollah has lost the ability to supply its bigger social services network. And ultimately, the people who are supporting him are diehard ideological uh, supporters. We have people going on the streets cursing Nasrallah. And this is something which we should not take for granted.
0: completely agree. Do, do you want to just mention quickly that there's another project you're working on? Yes. And, and we, it's funny because we saw each other in, during the protests over the I, I
1: have actually, <laughs> I'm, work, I'm waiting for, the, for Edinburgh University Press in Scotland to mm-hmm. send me my, the manuscript so I could go through the last changes. What, what is the book about? The book is my PhD thesis. It's about collective memory mm-hmm. and the role of collective memory in the War of the Mountains in 1982 between the Druze and the Maronites. And, my, and this actually applies to what's happening now. For me, looking at conflict through the lens of collective memory makes you understand why we have the recurrence of violence. Because yeah. people or communities have the ability to weaponize these collective memories and use them against each other. And ultimately, this is what the sunni shiite uh, confrontation is all about. So very soon, hopefully, at the beginning of the year, I'll have my book out, which I hope we can have a session and talk about this further. This is based on a lot, lot of oral history interviews I did throughout the years and also based on archival work. And this is, um, humbly I say, this is unprecedented. No one has attempted to do this. So, th- so you draw
0: the line there, mountain sectarian divide. Yes, but I divide. also
1: ultimately come with this conclusion that this applies to the people in Babat Tabeni okay. and, yeah. and Jabal Mahsin, right. which is a part of the to- Tripoli and the sunni Alawite uh, confrontation. Yeah. This applies to, the, to even Africa. Collective identities and collective memory uh, applies. It's not only economic, political, or sectarian. It has to do with, with political identities and collective memory and how these different centers of power and how this is done through education. This is why secularizing the state means that we need to address the education system in Lebanon. I'm not here talking about this uh, simplistic approach by unifying the history book. This is trivial. (laughs) We're not a fascist uh, country. It's not basically what you teach, it's how you teach it. So I could teach you my own version of history, but this should not lead you to confront my own version and fight with me if we don't agree. Yeah. so what people ultimately my right has to be protected by the government if you don't see eye to eye on my version of history it should not lead you to uh, take up arms against
0: me but it's interesting because that's the un- that's the usual uh, that's the, us- the, the usual knee-jerk reaction is no we need a collective book we need one historic what text what does it change that, do you yeah. think
1: that people in the United States read from one history book mm. people in the South still do not uh, forgive the North for abolishing slavery and ultimately I keep reminding my students the North did not want to abolish slavery because they believed in equality between the black man and the white man. Simply they wanted to destroy the economic infrastructure of the plantation system and Lincoln who was one of the great liberators of the slaves did not believe that these people should be incorporated into the white man society. This is all something which we need to understand. Indoctrination does not work. I don't want my kids to all read. I don't want even if I like, I don't have kids yet when I do, I don't want them to
0: all read from one book. Do you think that's the... Uh, going back just to where we started with Kamal Salibi and his house of many mansions, do you think that's the sentiment that he wrote that book with? Of course. That we all of have course. our own And Again,
1: uh, again Roni, uh, someone as great as Salibi, he revisited his earlier work. Yeah. He ro- rewrote yeah. and re-examined the yeah. faults of his earlier work mm-hmm. based on, he said, when I was younger... I had these preconceptions. I didn't have access to the archives. Yeah. I hadn't yet tested my theories. So we need to progress. If I'm still the same in 10 years, <laughs> you should lose your respect for me. I hope you do have respect for me, but I know you do. That I is, love. That so is you why need, I asked. We, we, need, <laughs> we need to keep progressing. When we stop doing this,
0: we're no longer human beings. And that requires a sense of collective memory. Because we should we need not to have take ourselves to...
1: too seriously. We should always believe in what we believe in, but we should always be ready to re-examine things, and we should always say things as is. We should always be blunt, we should always be confrontational, but in a very critical manner. Uh, This is what I teach my students.
0: I think the fact that we both went to the same university, and your faculty there, and I went to the University of Edinburgh. And your book is going to be published by their press. That's I think uh, both books, especially Campus at War, because it's available. And your next book, is it titled at the moment? Or It's called uh, Conflict on Mount Lebanon. Conflict on Mount Lebanon. Well, once it's out, uh, get it. And uh, Makram, I appreciate your time during all this crisis. I know you're busy. And we hear the noise in the background. It's, it's time be, to go fight. Time and to go <laughs> back to Martyrs <laughs> Square. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much, Ronnie.
0: Optimistic that this type of demonstration will upend the Lebanon that we know. And although I don't necessarily share that level of hope that we're ushering in a new form of governance and a new a new way of, of power sharing and a secular state that will change the sectarian way Lebanon arranges itself repeatedly. It's good to have a voice like his, uh, remaining hopeful and perhaps adding to the confidence on the street. Makram combines his academic training with an astute eye on local political developments. Watch him on Al Arabiya news and get his book, Campus at War. About a different time in Lebanon's history, but there are valuable lessons from that era. And hopefully, Lebanon in the coming years does not degenerate into what happened in the mid-1970s. Hopefully, Lebanon enters a different and better chapter, not a worse one. Regardless, these episodes will keep coming as the protests continue. And once again, I apologize for the quick edit. I hope you enjoyed Mekram's reflections. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. And I hope you enjoy this way of expressing what's happening through conversations among all types of voices yearning for change in this country. Until next time, I'm Rani Shatah, and this is the Beirut Banyan.